Hey everybody, welcome to Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. I'm your host, Chris Cosentino. We are here to talk about people that inspire and all my guests are inspiring in so many different ways. And I'm really looking forward to digging deep into how they got to where they are, to the top of their game, how hard they've worked, how much they've given up and how they're giving back. So without further ado, here's our next guest. Hey everybody, welcome to Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino and I am here today with Ed Lee. Ed and I have known each other for, oh God, many years. It's kind of kind of scary. And too many. Too many. Too many great stories uh, of past, which we won't, maybe we'll get into. But um, I'm really excited to have Ed uh, with us today. You know, he's got two great books out. We've got the first. I have it. I think you even drew a picture in here for me. I probably shouldn't show it. <laughs> and then the second book here, um, which both are phenomenal. This was an incredible read. Um, Thank you. Journeys, you know, Ed's story uh, and history. And the recipes in here are slamming. Yes, I've stolen a few. Um, but, um, and then also on top of it all, Ed has a great, great program going on. Uh, it's called the Lee Initiative. So welcome, Ed. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule. And uh, thank you, man. Thank you for having me. I'm, my, my only trepidation is that I'm going to giggle through this whole podcast because I can't. I can't be with you and not laugh. Like, <laughs> I think that's why we wanted to do TV together because it would be beyond too much fun. Um, yes. But I think that was their concern too, that they would waste too much tape yeah. <laughs> of us. <laughs> They'd be like, oh shit, there goes four rolls on the floor. There's just too many inside jokes. In oh man, anyway. super fun. So, and I want to start off with you know, your background is very, very special. For a lot of people who don't know, you can see Ed's story on Mind of a Chef. Um, he's competed on Top Chef. He's judged on Top Chef. Um, I mean, shit, I'm, I'm missing something in there, I'm sure. But it's, that's, that's, all that's, that's all that matters. <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing else. So and you can't, you can't see Mind of a Chef anymore because it's not on any platform anymore. Really? That was a great yeah, No, they, they got net, they got kicked off Netflix and now they're in this no man's land where where like yeah, I guess you can I don't know, you can't even Google it. Well also you did that great documentary on fermentation. Yes. That's where which no, which no one saw because it was on Apple TV. And oh, that is a great documentary for those of you who want to Thank understand you. about fermentation. Um, it's, it includes everything. Anything that you can think is fermented or you may not think is fermented yeah. has some form of fermentation. And that's like, I'll, send, I'll send you a jar of kimchi if you can actually find it online because I can't. You can't? That's such a bummer. That's I don't know. I, uh, together. That was the last time we got in trouble together when we threw tortillas at the, the luchador. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. You got trouble. You got trouble. They kicked me out of the, the Napa Valley. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, they didn't think that was funny. They didn't think that was funny. But it's a luchador. You're supposed to throw tortillas at yeah. the luchadors when they're wrestling. But they, I think they were raw tortillas, and that was the, they took offense to that. What they? Well, they're not supposed to be crunchy because then they'll get <laughs> on it. I think I think it's when I smacked the dude in the keister with the big big handful of tortillas is when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was fun. That was a fun day. There was like thousands of turtles being thrown at these guys. Yes. All I did think I was going to get my butt kicked that day, though. Because <laughs> those guys were big. <laughs> so 
let's start off at, at the beginning because I mean, uh, you you grew up in New York, and now yeah. you're, you're in Louisville, Kentucky, the home of the baseball bat and the Kentucky Derby. So, you know, how did that how did that happen? Like, you know, and getting into the kitchen and and really. Oh man, that's a long story. Um, that's okay. This is what we're here for. It's a podcast. So I, yeah, I grew up in Brooklyn and I, 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 I worked um, just restaurant jobs my whole life. So here's a funny story. And you're not going to like this. Do you know my first job was in a, in a restaurant ever? What? I was, I was 15 years old and my first job was a busboy at a restaurant inside Trump Tower on, on, on Fifth Avenue in Midtown Manhattan. Really? And yeah, that was my first job. And I applied for a job and and the guy was like, You have to, you know, back then the laws were different, but like you have to serve alcohol. So you have to be 16. And I was like, all right, and then um he called me the next day, which was a Friday. You know, and back then I was, you know, living at home. My mom's like, some dude's calling you, and you know, we had the 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 phone that was like connected with the wire. And I was like, hey, and he goes, the other bus boy never showed up. If you can be here in 15 minutes, I'll lie on your application. You got the job. So like I ran and ran and ran and they got, you know, um, you know, as much as we all hate Trump, he gave me my first job. <laughs> but he didn't. But, his, but that was my first job in the restaurant ever was, was at a fine dining restaurant inside the Trump Tower, which is just a weird, ironic twist of life. Um, but yeah, so I just, I work side, you know, you grew up in New York, like every summer I just work in restaurants and as a cook, you know, like butch, crappy restaurants, you know, it's like delis and stuff. And then I became a cook. I, I, I opened my first restaurant in New York City when I was 25, um, down in what they now call Nolita. And it was called Clay. And it was like a weird ass backwards Asian restaurant. Um, and then 9-11 happened. And my restaurant was like a 15 minute walk from the towers and 9-11 happened. And, you know, obviously just decimated everything and I had friends die and it was, just, it was really hard. And, and I was like, I gotta get out of New York. Also, I had a drinking problem back then because I was 25 and I owned a restaurant. And, and uh, I don't know if I've totally eradicated the drinking problem, but it's gotten a lot better. Um, and so I go, I'm, I, I gotta get out of here. And I just didn't know where to go from New York. And, and long story short, I wound up in Kentucky for the Kentucky Derby. And I had an amazing time, you know, and it was like, it's beautiful. And the girls were all wearing beautiful dresses and hats. And there was bourbon. It was just, it was amazing. And uh, the, the chef that I worked for was about to retire. And he goes, you should move here and I'll give you my restaurant. And that restaurant, Six Time Magnolia, which I still own today. Are you and I said, kidding me? Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, you're depressed. You need to leave New York. You should take over my restaurant. And I, if you don't take it over, I'm just going to shut the restaurant down and sell it as a parking lot. And I was like, ah. anyway, it, we're for like six months. We went, we went back and forth. And finally, I was so depressed. I was like, I got to leave New York. I'll come down for six months no promises. And then I'm going to come back to New York and, and open my restaurant. And I went down there and after six months, I was like, you know what? I kind of like it here. And, and, and the people are nice. 
and I don't get into a fight every day with a cab driver, you know, and, I, and, and, and I'm not getting mugged. You know, New York was very different. You know, like I, I, people don't understand, like New York was very different 22 years ago when I left. I mean, like you, you actually, like you can't get mugged in New York anymore. Like 22 years ago, like that was a common occurrence. Like getting mugged was not, it wasn't like a real, you know, like, oh my God, I, might, I got mugged. And they'd be like, yeah, and? Like what else happened? You know? <laughs> I've heard stories of cooks going home on yeah. the train and waking up and their shoes were taken off because they would, oh, my God. They would cut, the had, pockets, cut their pockets open and steal yeah. the out of their pockets on their jackets. I had, I, I've, I've, I've never been truly beaten up in my entire life, which is, which is surprising because I have a wise ass mouth. But the one time I got my ass kicked was I was working at a diner and this homeless guy came up and asked for a free glass of milk. And I said, I can't give it to you. I can give you water, but I can't give you milk. So he came around the counter, took off his prosthetic leg and proceeded to beat me in the head with it. <laughs> and this is a true story. And the only way I could get out of that situation was I grabbed his prosthetic leg, ran out the door and chucked it across the street so that he had to run get to get his prosthetic leg back. And then I locked the door. Like that is a true story. And, and then I told my manager and everyone, they were like, yeah, so what, what do you want an award? Like, it was <laughs> not even, it didn't even phase them. They were like, so what? And I was like, okay. So anyway, so that's where I come from. That's, that's the origin. So, so then, you know, I go to Kentucky and I loved, I, I don't know. So, so coming from that and going to a place, I think I was like 29, you know, boarding on 30 and I go to Kentucky and people are like, do you want to come to my house for brunch? You know, or like, I, I baked you a cake. Do you mind if I bring it in? You know, like, I'm like, what are these, who are these aliens that are so nice? And it's just like, they're so nice. Like people would randomly stop me in the street and be like, hi. And I'm like, do I know you? They're like, no, hi. And I'm like, oh shit. You just say hi to people randomly to be nice. Yeah, that wasn't <laughs> happening in New York back then. No. So so I I was like, I was like a, you know, I was like, you know, a starving person that that just like got morsels of food. And I'm like, this is amazing. So anyway, I I but I still never thought I would stay this long. I, I was like, I'll stay a year or two. I like this place, you know, fatal mistake. I met my girlfriend there who be, became my lovely wife, Diane, who you know, and, and um, fell in love. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm staying. So 20 years later, here I am still in freaking Louisville, Kentucky, which, which I love it. I love it. It's just, it's just such a weird thing. And, you know, listen, I, it, 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 it doesn't, uh, uh, you know, pass me by that I'm a Korean American from Brooklyn, you know, that's like cooking in Louisville, Kentucky. And I remember there was like, you know, I don't know, it was like a couple of years ago and there was this like international thing and every state had to send someone, I don't know, it was some like food fair, right? And they go, the governor of Kentucky calls me and goes, we want to send you on this thing and you represent Kentucky. And I was like, Sir, you realize I'm a Korean from, from Brooklyn. <laughs> and, but he was like, yeah, but, but, 
but you embody the spirit of, you know, and that's what, listen, there's a lot of people from, from my childhood in New York and, and, and from the people I know in DC and they're like, you live in Kentucky? You must be so racist. And I'm like, you know what? The governor of Kentucky called me to send me on this thing where I had to represent Kentucky. And, and, and he said, you embody the spirit of Kentucky more than anyone that we know. And, and, and we love you. And we went, you know, like, like, it's a good place, you know? And it's got its problems like every other place, but it's a good place. And, and, and you know, the one thing I'll say is like, once I, I embraced Kentucky, it was like, I mean, we, our restaurant 610 probably uses more local farmers than any restaurant, you know, with the exception of maybe one or two than the entire state, you know, like, like we, we completely embrace the farm culture, the purveyors, the land, the people, the history. And you know what, what I realized is once you do that, like they don't care where you're from or what you look like, or, you know, they're just like, we love you. You know, like you buy more country ham from us than anyone. Like, and that's all I've done for the last 20 years is, you know, come to New York or San Francisco or wherever and go, you gotta try these Kentucky grits. You gotta try this Kentucky ham. You gotta try this sorghum from Kentucky. You gotta try this caviar from Kentucky. And, and, and I truly mean it. Like, it's an agricultural paradise out there, you know? And, and, and these farmers, they're not just farmers. They're like, they're my friends. Like, I know them, you know, I know their daughters. I know their, you know, I know where their kids go to college. Like, they're just friends, you know, that well, happen to make food that I buy from, you know? It's such an interesting, you know, thing because the first time we met was when I came down to cook the Kentucky Derby. And I came to- Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. First time I ever came down, it was Jeremy and I, and we mm-hmm. came ate at 610. And it, I mean, and I've been down now a couple times. I'd say like yeah, three, yeah. three, four times. And every time I come back, I'm just, there's, you're showing me these things. Like, you know, the first time we ate at 610 and the second time we ate at 610. And then, then there's the garden right next door. And, you know, there's so many cool things that you're doing. You know, you're aging soy sauce in whiskey barrels. You really, all these things, I just come home and I'm like, got a notebook full of like, okay, I got to find this product. How do I get this here? And can I get these hams? And it was such an eye opener for me. I mean, yeah, I'd never been to a horse race. I'd never experienced a lot of those traditional Southern dishes, but then what you'd done with them and the farms that you're working with. And, you know, I remember the lamb that mm-hmm. you were serving me, which was really, really beautiful. It was just a real big eye opener. And then to have some things that are so traditional for Korean cuisine to be there naturally, right? It's just like part of the growing system there. And what you've been able to do and the food and how you've twisted and mixed them together, but it's so symbiotic. It doesn't feel off kilter. And 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 I hope so. Like, I hope so. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I, you know, people use the word fusion all the time, right? And, and we grew up in that age where, like, yep. you know, when wasabi mashed potato was hot. Do you remember when oh, every God. menu had wasabi mashed potatoes on I it? Try not to remember those days. Or beet, how about the beet hay, right? Yeah, this, yeah, 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 yeah. And you have this big pile of raw beet hay, 
with a with a green wasabi mashed potatoes and then it was usually like was, a fucking tenderloin and some soy sauce. It was sauce hot. Tea. It, it was, was hot. hot. It was hot. It was um, gross. <laughs> <laughs> That's but it's hot. I, 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 like, I hate the word fusion, right? Because, I, like, to me, everything's fusion. Yeah. Right? Like, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, fucking French cuisine is a fusion of, of, of Mediterranean cultures and German cultures and, you know, like, Latin cultures. Like, it's all a fusion. Um, I mean, look at Vietnam, right? The Vietnamese French. Vietnamese is French and, 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 well, even, even traditional Vietnamese food before French is like, it's Chinese mixed with, with Indonesia, mixed with India, like, this Hall of Fusion. Like, uh, I, I hate when people are like, oh, that's Fusion Museum. Like, show me a, like, traditional Southern food is African tradition, African ingredients with European traditions with American Indian agriculture. It's a fusion. Like everything's a fusion, and and so when all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're cooking fusion food. I'm like, stop it. Like we're all cooking fusion. So I hate that one. That's a but, but also yeah. That's a really really good point because I think so many people automatically go to because, and I hate to say this, but it's done, and they point that term mostly at Asian cuisine. Yeah, because it's, because it's racist. At some point, it's like, oh yeah, because French and Vietnamese. Like it's a it's a fusion because they don't naturally go together. And I'm like, I don't know. Says who? The French colonized the Vietnamese, and French traditions in Vietnam has been there for a long time, a long time. So to to many Vietnamese people that I know, the French influence they were born with. Their entire lives they've lived with the French influence. So like. Is it fusion or is it just culture? I mean, you could talk about India and the English, Singapore and the English. I mean, you talk about it just like the Vietnamese have been in Texas for so long now. Yeah. That I know, you know, on the coast of Texas, from Houston all the way down to Galveston, I know good old boy rednecks who have never been to Vietnam that know more about Vietnamese food than, than like my chefs do. Because they've just grown up with it from the time they were kids eating it. And it wasn't foreign food to them. It's just food. Because twice a week, you go to the Vietnamese restaurant. It's just yeah. it's what you do, you I mean, know? And the, so- The dish of Houston is pho. Yeah, I know, yeah. And, and, and Cajun shrimp, right? It's like, you can't get away from it. And, and, and that's part of what, Barmel graffiti is kind of about. It's like we 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 live in this world. It's like America is a big, messy, fucked up soup with way too many ingredients in it. Right? And and we just we shake it up and we stir it up and sometimes it tastes great and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's complex. Well, it's very complex, and sometimes it's not very nice, and sometimes it's really fucking generous and stuff but that but that's you know we take the good and the bad that's the luxury that we have in america so we're such a melting pot so many different cuisines so many different, you know and and i i always i use you know you know white clam pizza from 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 connecticut like of course i I'm do like, i'm a rhode islander man i i went to oh i didn't know i didn't know that oh born and raised i did I, yeah I, all right yeah, i did know that so and, and i would say like an Italian person could not have come up with white clam pizza. 
a New Englander could not have come up with spike cramping. It took an Italian person to have a pizza joint with a New England person go, hey, why don't you put some fucking white clams on that? And then someone goes, all right, well, it's not, it doesn't, we don't do it in Italy. Well, we don't put yeasted pizza dough on clams in New England tradition, but you come together, you do it. And that's when American food, to me, is at its best. When you take things that shouldn't go together and you push it together and somehow you find it, and, and then sometimes it's awful, right? It's sometimes horrible, but sometimes when it works. That's the wasabi mashed potatoes. Like the wasabi mashed potatoes, right? That's, that's, the, that's the bad, that's the awful, and it's so, but when it works, you get white clam pizza and it's the most delicious thing in the world. And it is such an iconic American thing now, right? Oh yeah. But that, it wasn't once. It wasn't, and, and people, and when it first came out, people were like, yo, you can't do that. Like, people didn't like it in the beginning, right? So, like, every tradition was once an innovation, you know, and, and anything that we think of as traditional now was once something that people were like, no, you can't do that, you know? And, and, and it's like when Roy Choi did the fucking bulgogi taco, you know? My parents were like, oh, fuck that guy. Fuck that Korean. He's ruining our culture. I'm like... <laughs> It's not, it's just a, it's a, like, it's, it's, not that, it's not that offensive, you know? And also, it's pretty damn good. That was delicious. Yeah. I remember the first time having that being, I was like, yeah. God, man, like, you kind of Why felt, did I think of that, right? Yeah. Why did I think of that? I lived on, was I living under a rock? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you see, but, but my parents who came from that, you know, traditional, they, they were like, that's insulting. Right. And I'm like, to you, not to me. Right. So when we talk about like, and I talk about this a lot when I talk about the book Buttermilk Graffiti, they talk about culinary appropriation. I go, I don't know. What does that mean? Because, because we, we always fuse things together. We always borrow traditions. I, I go to, I don't cook Mexican food, but I go to Mexico and I'm like, whoa, what did that lady just do? Yeah. I'm stealing that. Now, I'm not going to steal it exactly the way she did, but I'm like, whoa, I just saw her do something. You know, I'm like, I'm going to take. That's what we do as, as, as creative people, as artists, as, as, as chefs. You, you know, listen, man, I can't tell you how many times I've been in your restaurant and you went to the bathroom. I'm like, yo, give me that recipe. The chef's done. Give me, what do you, what, give me that. Tell me what that is. And your sous chefs are like, I don't know. I'm like, give me the fucking recipe. <laughs> I could see them being like, I don't know. He's going to get, which I would give you whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> but see, I think that's a really, really, really important thing because we, as chefs, we go to other places. We learn, learn. their technique, their flavors. I mean, perfect example, go to Japan and watch them butcher fish. Mm-hmm. Watch them serve sashimi, which is for me, I learned how to break down fish in a different method. I learned the different cuts in different fish. And then I could serve them as crudo in different ways. So when you're eating the fish, you're getting different cuts with different flavor profiles, which I wouldn't have understood unless I went there and watched them. And it's, I don't feel that I'm culturally appropriating. I feel like I'm learning a technique to get and, and I will say, the customer. You know, so, so I'll give you an example of cultural appropriation, right? Which was, there was a guy from Chicago that 
try to open a chain of pokey restaurants. And he actually tried to trademark the word pokey. So that people in Hawaii who have had pokey restaurants for generations, or like, you know, for like 30 years, would now have to pay this guy money to use the word pokey in their restaurant. That's even though it's a Hawaii. Fucking right. That's appropriation. That's pure evil that should be called out. You know, it's an unpopular opinion. But when someone opens a a, a, a food truck and decides to cook the cuisine of another culture. I actually want people to do more of that. I want people to do more of that because it means as long as they're doing it out of respect and a love for the culture, you know, as long as they're doing it with, 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 you know, a passion, like that's how we learn. And honestly, that's how we get to a better place where we all share our cuisines and we like, Anyone ever, any white chef that comes up to me and goes, will you teach me kimchi? I'm like, yes, I want you to put kimchi on your menu because it just makes kimchi more popular. And maybe your kimchi is not traditional. I don't care if you're, if you're doing it, but as long as you're being respectful about it and you're doing it in a way that is, you're not going to put it next to a, a mound of wasabi mashed potatoes. I'm, I'm okay with that. Like I want people to explore more Korean food. And, and ways that, as, as Americanized I am, there's some. And I lost you. Oh, he just hung up. There you are. You just yeah. finished. You, the last thing you did was, and the most Americanized, and then you froze. Just yeah, like, no. So, so, like, I'm American, right? But the, even with me, there's still some things, uh, there's some roadblocks in my mind mentally about Korean food. But I'm like, but you can't do that with Korean food, right? And I'm, because I'm still, you know, even though I'm, I'm and then it sometimes it takes a chef from outside of Korea to go, but why not? And then you go, oh yeah, you're right, why not? Okay, speaking of Korean food, I was just in Hawaii for our anniversary. Oh yes. We had this dish at a restaurant in Hawaii that they called ice noodles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I saw that. That's 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 Nengmyeon. It was so good because it was yeah. so hot out. Yeah, yeah. Every texture. That's my. That's called. It's called bibbing Nengmyeon. It's like a. It's like. It's like. It's my favorite thing in Korean. It is it's my favorite. So it's my favorite thing. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm sitting there, and let's yeah. just like okay, yeah. let's 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 talk about the yeah. the thought process, right? So I'm sitting there tasting this, and I'm saying to myself. Wow, this would be really cool if I did angel hair pasta and I made a really icy tomato, Mm -hmm. like tomato water with lots of, and made a broth with that and you had it with like fresh tomatoes and I'm thinking to myself, and of course, Tatiana being the smarter one of the two of us looks at me and goes, you need to talk to Ed and ask for some permission for that shit and you're going to get, you're going to get drunk. No, you don't. Give it a, I think no. it's fun. Like that's where I was going with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think of the refreshing elements, and it but has. That's, that, that's what we do as chefs. Now, my mom, my mom would be like, "Chris, no good. <laughs> Chris, you a little bitch." Do <laughs> I would love to hear uh, your mom say that. That would be so amazing. But 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 you know, my mom's you know, and 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 
if you want, so that's where we are now, right? Like you and I at our, where we are in our cuisine, like in our food, like we're the older generation now and we're becoming our parents, right? And so I have to keep an open mind now because I see the, the younger people doing what they do. And I'm like, oh, you can't. Do oh, how can you? And I'm like, wait a second. You know what I mean? Because you do that. You're like, oh. But as Tatiana says it, she yeah. said this to me the other day. She's like, yeah. you are like the old grumpy man sitting on the porch saying, get off my fucking lawn, kid. And, 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 and we, we have to resist that temptation because it's so yeah. easy. It's so easy to do it's that. It's so easy. It's uh -huh. so easy. I look, I look at these. I, here's my, you want to hear my new pet peeve? Is these influencers, right, who, who know nothing. And they put out this mediocre food, but that looks beautiful on Instagram. And they're getting cookbook deals. And, and they've got, like, millions of followers. Aren't and I'm like, ugh. But I had a revelation recently. And I'm like, that's just a new, that's just a next generation of food. Yeah. Like as chefs, we paved this path so that home cooks could be the next wave of celebrities. And in some ways, like I'm still bitter about it, you know, but in some ways I'm like, that's beautiful. That's beautiful that 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 these home cooks followed us. And then said, I want to be like you. But guess what? I'm going to be smart and not have to go to cooking school, not slave in a kitchen for 20 years. I'm just going to be an influencer. I'm going to stay at home, cook for my family, and not smell like a donkey after. And, st and still get a cookbook deal and still have more influence than you. I'm like, wow, you figured it out. <laughs> like, you figured it out. So, like, I can't hate on that, you know? Like, I look at it and I go, I want to because, but then I'm like, that's eh, kind of brilliant. It's kind of brilliant, you know? And, and so it's always that thing. And then who knows, the next generation of after that will be something completely new. And they'll be the ones going, oh, well, I had to work hard to be an influencer. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and like, it'll just go on and on. Till the cycle, the cycle will go. I mean, yeah, we, we can genuinely say we remember when Twitter first came on board. And then oh Twitter to Instagram, everybody was like, okay, you have 140 characters and a picture. Make it count. And we were like, okay, we're cavemen. We can do that. Ooh. You know, now it's like, oh shit. Like you got the hashtags and the, 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 this and then I don't, I don't know. Do you, do you know what TikTok is? I've, TikTok has somehow. I've, it's totally taking over. I've seen a little bit of it. Somehow during COVID, the world passed me by in 12 months. TikTok just went over my head. And now it's like, if you're not on TikTok, you're a goddamn dinosaur. And I'm like, hey, what just happened? We don't dance. There's the starter. But, you know, we don't do the dance. No, but there, there's, there's, there's a, a woman on TikTok that makes spaghetti on her kitchen countertop. Have you seen this? She uh -huh. just boils like 10 pounds of spaghetti and just mixes it on her kitchen countertop. She's got like 5 million followers. <laughs> For mixing spaghetti on a countertop, I I'm like, what happened to the world that just it just like like a speeding train just passed me, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, this is what we're doing now, this is what we're doing now. But so did you sign and, up for TikTok? Is the question? No, I have I don't apparently it's I like I'm just technologically not advanced. I don't know. So, I think you have to learn, you know, the dance. Remember the one where the, you shook and you did yeah, your, yeah. You do that first. And no, then, I, I listen. I'm gonna dance and I'm gonna be the dancing chef. 
the dancing chef. I'm going to be the dancing chef. Watch me on TikTok. You heard it here first. <laughs> you have four weeks to get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, but, but that's like the world, the, the world travels so fast right now. Yeah. Travels so fast. And, 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 and we live in this time where, like, you know, and then I, I guarantee, but there's still this space for, like, you know, old world chefs doing what they do and doing it slowly. You know, I, I, you know, I, I will say during COVID, I was very, and, and you and I spoke a lot during COVID, and I was very, like, sad and dismayed, and restaurants were closing, and, you know, I, I wrote a whole essay about how it's the end of the independent restaurants, and, and I still, to some degree, think it's still true, and, and, and rest, independent restaurants are still dropping like flies, because okay. every, everyone got their PPP and their grants, and they kept them going for so long, but now you know bills are, rents are due. bills are coming and and back rent is due and all this stuff and and it's we're not out of the woods and, but i don't know there but there's a part of me that is always optimistic and and i feel like there's there's a part that's like we're gonna push through this and we're gonna and then, and then whatever happens out the other end is gonna be different it's gonna be weird it's gonna it's not gonna be what i grew up with or what you grew up with but it'll be fine and, and we'll have to learn to adjust and, and and you know at some point the next generation is going to take over anyway so so let 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 them define what it is for their generation like we're we're you know at this point i'm not going to be a tiktok influencer like i just i'm gonna have to stay in my lane at some you know to some point. And, <laughs> and like i i don't i don't want the i don't want to be the culinary equivalent of a 60 year old man wearing skinny jeans and driving a convertible. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do Visual that. Ed is priceless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that. So at some point, you just stick to your lane. So in, in regards to sticking to your lane, I want to talk about the Lee Initiative. And, yes. you know, the Lee Initiative has morphed a couple times. And I think it's been really, especially during the pandemic, you, you were doing so much for so many um giving back to the restaurant community um people in need and and again you then evolved so we're talking about involvement right and how we need to evolve but not so far that we end up in skinny jeans driving mm. autos would you drive a miata that's what you do a convertible miata um uh, man 20 years ago i would have drove a miata <laughs> But I think I think what you were doing for me, what, what was going on, I mean, we talked a lot during the pandemic and, you know, we were trying to get some things rolling here and there. And, and you were working with independent farmers and ranchers. You were feeding restaurant workers through other restaurants with the Lee Initiative. And now you've you've evolved again and it's back to what it originally started as. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. And we're, we have a, a whole program uh, for young uh, women chefs across America to give them like really it's a basically a 40-week program and we pick young women in the early part of their career and we give them on this mentorship training program, and we connect them with really successful female chefs in across america and they get but it's not culinary training only they get social media training they get you know business training they get a, a lecture on 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 how to pitch an investor um they get you know uh, uh how to like create a balanced mental health, you know, sort of life, work-life balance. Like they, they get they get a free therapy session. Like it's all of it. 
And the idea for me is like, I don't know. It's hard because we're both men and, and we both have had uh, some kind of success in this business. And I remember, and this was years ago when we first started the initiative, we were doing the women's program. And it really started from the Me Too. Right? I was like, we should do something. But you know, like, I want to do something that's going to last a long time. And you and I both have a lot of friends who are female chefs and people who we rolled with, people who we went out with, and, and people that's just like friends, you know? And, but I never thought to ask them, like, hey, did you ever get harassed while you were, you know, like, it's just, it's not something for the Now, I remember doing that, I, w- I would call people and I'm like, hey, can I ask you a weird question? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, did you ever face, you know, harassment while you were working? And every single one of them was like, oh, yeah here and it's like the floodgates open and they were like this happened this happened this happened this happened and I was like it really hurt me like I cried like it really hurt me because I know how hard it is to be a chef in this world and I know how hard it is and how we both suffer to get to where we are and it sucks and then for them on top of everything that we had to do long hours being yelled at no food you know having no money on top of all of that they had to get groped which is something that I never did. I never got good, right? So then I was like, wow, that's fucked up. Like, like you had it just as bad as us, and then this added layer that, you know, and, and it's not as always in the back of my mind, but I never realized how much it was and how bad it was. And that's our fault. That's our blind. Because I was so busy trying to succeed. I had blinders on. I was just like, I'm just going to go through so then you get to a point where I was like, I don't want the, like, it, it can't be all men in this business. It can't be, you know, it's just, that's stupid. And, and, and especially, you know, I don't think anyone's even done a story about this, but during COVID, a lot of female chefs closed their restaurants, more so than male chefs, like the proportion of and so, like you, like in Louisville, we used to have four female head chefs, and they closed, and now we only have one. So, in Louisville, a city of a million people with God knows how, you know, like whatever, five thousand restaurants or something. I don't even know. There's one female head chef that I can think. One, maybe two. But that's not that. That's not a percentage or a proportion that you can. That's fit. You know, it just doesn't work. And so the program to us is like, it's not going to happen overnight. It may not happen in two years or five years, but it's going to happen where if, if we show these young women the path towards leadership, then they can visualize and they can see it and, and, and they'll stick to it. And, and the program's three years old now, you know, four, but minus COVID. Um, and already the, the, the people who graduate from the first semester, the first generation, have art, their careers have already leapfrogged to where like they're actually head chefs now. They're running kitchens. You know, one person is running the, the public school culinary division in Louisville. Like she's the head of it. It's amazing. That's awesome. What you can do when you give someone a vision and just a little bit of confidence. Because it's not, it's not talent. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not, like, they still will learn technique and they still have to work and learn. But it's not, I don't believe in God-given talent. Like, 
maybe there's one in a million of us that, that has God-given talent, you know? But everything else is just learned, you know? Like, like you like food and you just keep doing it. And, and, and so our thing is like, let's, uh, you know, let, let, let women run this fucking industry for a while, you know? Because the men fucked it up. So like, let, let, let them take over for a while and, and see what comes of it. Who inspired all this? My great-grandmother, my grandmother, you know, your mom, like those are people that inspire us. And there's always been that saying, like the best, the best chefs never yeah. leave their home kitchens because they don't want to put up with all the bullshit. Well, they were smarter. Well, and, and I was thinking of this, you look at cook, like older cookbooks, mostly written by women, Yep. you know, people. And before restaurants became like popular, like you know, old mom and pop restaurants, mostly run by women. Right. So, so it was a woman dominated industry for a while. And here's my theory it became male dominated when it became lucrative and it became competitive. And, and, and all of a sudden it was like, all right, oh, there's money to be made in this. Let's dominate. And, 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 and it became food media and all that. It so, yeah. So it's like, it's not, it's, people go like this, they go, oh, it's been male dominated. And I go, yeah, but it's not always been that way either, right? Like that's a relatively, there's a, it's a relatively new, like if you talk about the history of restaurants in America, like literally dating back to like, you know, the 1850s, it wasn't a male dominated industry then, right? So it's, it's fairly it recent. That it was not even considered a, a, a man's job to be exactly the first exactly. person who transferred that thought process yeah. was chef louis sasmier from yeah. the bakery in chicago turned it into what was considered i hate to say the hate to say it this way but they considered it servant work yeah. to a blue collar job mm -hmm. and then then more men started to get involved with it because it was just a traditionally a servant's job and they would Mostly it was women running these kitchens. I mean, you look at the Boston Cooking School, Fanny Farmer, all those, mm -hmm. all those books. Um, what is it? The Etiquette book has all the cooking recipes in it, all written by women. I mean, I've got um, a stack of I have, I have, I have, yeah, I have 30, 40 vintage Southern cookbooks. Every single one written by women. Every single one. And so, so, you know, men created restaurants you know some you know the modern day restaurant as we know but but we got all of our food knowledge from traditions and books that were mostly from women so it was one way it was male dominated and, and i do believe we have to get to a place where it's balanced it's just balanced you know there's men in the industry there's women in the industry there's gay people in the industry there's all colors and stripes in the industry there's the, it just it has to be you know, and, and here's the thing with, with people, we are getting there, right? I, I do believe the restaurant business is flexible. It's wonderful. It's full of good. We are getting there. And here, for people who criticize the restaurant industry, and we've had this conversation where they go, burn it to the ground, hold, pump the brakes a little. As an industry, you know, compare us against, I don't know, the medical industry or the sports industry. Or the, the, the law the industry. Movie, the movie industry. Let's the movie industry. We are adjusting and, and doing good things faster, better, and more effectively than any other industry right now. Right? 
work it, but it, it, it's not going to happen overnight. It ta- and it takes programs, I think, like ours to go, yeah, we can do this. We can do this, and we're training people. It's not going to happen next year either. It's going to happen in 10 years when the seeds of what we plant now come to fruition. But 10 years is a short time to wait for something that's going to last generations. And so we're all trying. And so for people who want to bash the restaurant industry for our unfairness, fine. Yes, it deserves a lot of correction, but also realize like it's a very new, it's a, it's a, it's a industry still in its infancy. If you think about it, right? Like, the first modern restaurant really didn't exist until like the 50s or something. You know, like they, they, what we think of as a restaurant is not even a hundred years old. So like we're, we're still learning, we're still getting there. And yeah, you, you mess up along the way, but this correction is good and it'll happen. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's we're getting it is, is, is what I think. And, and that's what gives me hope about this industry, about restaurants, about chefs, about people. Like we're, all, we're all in it together. And so, you know, here's my diatribe about media, which you and I, the media tries to rip us apart and it tries to be divisive. And it tries to say, it tries to pick sides. You are either for this or you are either for that. And I will tell you, and I have chefs who are of all stripes and colors and people who are in the industry for you know, people like Charlie Palmer, who's been in the industry forever, and, and, and you know, people like Nakia Rose, who's who graduated from the initiative, and, and she's 22, uh, African-American, and she's doing amazing. I know that my bond as a chef is stronger than any other bond that I have, right? Like, that guy's Korean. You should like him, because he's Korean. I go, is he a chef? No, nah, I'm not going to like him. They're like, like to me... A chef bond is stronger than anything. And I don't, I don't really know. And also, I, I do surround myself with good people. I don't know any chef that goes, no, I want to be exclusionary. I don't want women in the industry. I don't want this in the industry because it's all about me. I don't know any chef that would say it. I really don't. You know, and, and so... Yeah, we have to fix things, but but I know in my heart that for the most part, for the most part, I'm not going to say I'm not going to generalize there, but for the most part, chefs are good people. We love food, we love people, we we love diversity because that's what we do. We go uh, when I go on vacation, I want I go to the most diverse places in the world because I want to taste and try new things and experience new cultures, and so uh, and all my chef friends are like. You know, and, and, and so there, there is hope for this industry. And in fact, there's a lot of hope for this industry, and it's going in the right direction. And I think it's great. I think it's great, and, and we'll get there. But that's my, but, but, but the media, I think, has this like, I don't want to say agenda, but there is this thing of like, okay, we're going to pit these people against these people. And, and I don't believe that reflects the reality that I see when I hang out with chefs on a day to day basis. Um, be they black, white, Puerto Rican, Jewish, Polish, Italian, French, Mexican, like chefs are chefs. Chefs love to get together, talk food, 
eat, drink sometimes, um, and just have a good time, you know. And and, and with with all the things that we're doing, I, I I hope we don't forget that part of it, you know, which is the sharing of ideas and recipes, the beauty of being in a room with people that you have nothing in common with except food, which. Food, food, I think, is that is that thing that transcends all boundaries, race, religion, right, it, politics. It's the one thing that can get everybody to sit down and have a have a civilized conversation. And yes, yep. the conversations may get heated, but it changes the the dynamic of the moment. And I think we, as culinarians, hospitality people, have always wanted to see people smile. We want to make others happy. And that is the consistent bond that brings us all together. Yes. And I think that's really powerful. And I think a lot of folks don't understand that moment for us because let's be honest, we, we all have uh, a bit of ADD. We all have a bit of, right? That's an understatement. Um, <laughs> but we, we all love, there's that instant gratification of seeing that person take that first bite and have that taste memory. And you see that aha moment happen. That is so powerful as a cook to see that moment happen or for a waiter to make a suggestion and have that guest say back to them, you are right. This is incredible, right? Like that's, that's I, what we got into this. It feels I, so good. I, I, I always say like, I'm not naive. Food is not going to change the world. No, but it's a, but it's a damn good start. You know, it, it, it's a place where we can all agree on. It, it, and and I think if 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 we focus, like we are, we live in such a divisive society, right? right? It's like, what do you believe in? What do you who do you vote for? What do you vote? What do you what's your uh, opinion on this topic? And if you don't vote, you know, say, think the same way I do, well, if you like. Can we for a moment focus on what we have in common? Right? And then we can get to that. But let's let's focus on well, there's there's not a lot of things we have in common these days. Food's one of them. You know? You can disagree on all the politics you want. Most people agree fried chicken's pretty good. Yep. All right. And so and so you just focus on things and and, and I focus a lot of my like recently, like my my media or my my thing is like. Let's focus on what we, let's focus on love. Let's focus on what we agree on. Let's focus on like things that bring us together. And, and, and we can still argue about other things and we can still disagree. But it's, it's, it is hard to, it is easy to hate someone on Twitter. It is very hard to hate someone when you're at a dinner table, having good food and a nice glass of wine. Right? Even if you still disagree, it's hard to hate someone because food makes you feel good. And when you're feeling good, you know, maybe you can find a better way to disagree. Right? Maybe you can go, hey, I still disagree with you, but you know what? I can't hate you, you know, because we both like the same things. And, and I think that's a good way to start you know, uh, uh, this human dialogue, which is like, I don't know, like we all, we're all American. We all, we all belong here we all love this country we all want for we disagree on how this country should go but we all agree that we want to be better you know and and, and so you know and, and listen there are crazy people out there 
<laughs> I'm talking the majority, right? There, there's always a minority of crazies out there. Um, but, but, but the majority of people that I run into on a daily basis, and I run into a lot of them, they're all good people. They're all good people, you know? And you know me. I'm like one of the most pessimistic people on the planet, you know, like I'm, I'm not exactly like warm and fuzzy, but, but it's is, weird. Ellie's fuzzy because he's got his shirt on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but, but, but I, I, I have, you know, especially, and, and the one thing that we did during COVID, we fed so many people and, and, you know, I cannot tell, I cried more during COVID than I have in my entire life you know, and, and my, my career as a chef, like making fancy food, putting dots on things and whatever, like the power of food, when a single mom of three comes up to you in a car and, and I give her a meal for four and she goes, well, I'm not going to eat this meal. I'll feel hungry so that kids can eat this, you know, and then I give her, I go, fuck it, you get two meals. And she starts crying like that is more powerful and will be a, 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 a more lasting memory for me than any review, any like, you know, person, any famous person going, I love your food. Like, all oh, that's good, too. But I really learned what food meant during COVID, you know, and and and. That's the power of like we we kind of dance in this world that's a little you know rarefied, but but you see what food is to people, you know, and 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 it's powerful, it's really powerful, you food know. And, and food insecurity is a very very serious subject that I think a lot of people don't know how to address, and when they're faced with it for the first time, not only personally but also helping someone. That <coughs> that's food insecure, it's a very life-changing experience. I mean, whether it's um, feeding, you know, plows, swords to plowshares, which, you know, happens here, we work with that. Yeah, we, we, we did this thing, you know, where we, we, would, we would give, hand out free meals to people, and we did this all across here, but in Louisville, we do this, and we found this amazing thing. So someone that picked up a free meal a week before would come back next week to volunteer, right? And, and people, because we needed help and we were, you know, it was during COVID. People were saying, and I'd say, do you want to help, like, hand out meals and help us in the kitchen? And they go, I really don't, you know, and all the time. And I go, please, just one day. And they would work one day. And I said, all we need you is for one day. And, and there, I can't tell you how many people would work one day. And then they go, I'm doing, and they, then they would work for six months. Like, it would, and, it, and I didn't, I was like, no, we don't need you anymore. I'm not going to stop doing this. And that's the, it changes you. It just changes you, you know? And, and it changed me. Like, I, I, I will never not do this again for the rest of my career as long as I can. Because it just, it changes you. And, 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 and you know, like, listen, I'm still a chef and I still love making pretty food. And, but, like, I don't know. There's just a different thing that now exists in the back of my head. Right. And, and, and I think that's all enlightenment. Right. Just, just in the same way, like I didn't realize how, 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 how much women chefs struggle. And like now I can't unsee that. Right. And so that's, that's part of the land. And you go, all right, well, if, if I can change some of that, why not? You know, why not? And so that's, and, 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 but it's not my like, 
number one mission in life, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna save the world, but 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 it's something that is just now very important, you know, and I want to continue doing. And you do a fucking damn good job of it. Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's uh, we talked a lot during the pandemic about you know what you were doing and you know how amazing it was, and I was watching from afar and trying to help in any way I could, and. You know, it's kind of hard. Yeah, you were going through your own thing, though. That's the thing, though. We, we all went through so much, you know, frustrating stuff. Yeah, and I think that's... To put it lightly. What I think is really interesting and something you mentioned was, you know, that bond between chefs. I mean, you knew there's a group of us that kept on contact with each other. Everybody was checking in. There's a, you know, and you, and you know who you are out there, and those are the ones that are listening to this. And, and, you know, and... and and there, there are other chefs who, like, I won't talk to you for four years, and then you talk to him, and it's like nothing has happened. Nothing, you know, like, like time just didn't pass. Like it just, yeah. you pick up right where you left off, and and there, that is a special bond. You know, there's, we're all a little bit on the spectrum, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Some, you know, <clears throat> another we're on, yeah. but we all but, but, resonate but, with the same thing. Yeah, and that's and that's where we we bond, and that's where and 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 I also think that's also where we um, are very protective of each other in our industry and in our career, and, and sometimes to a fault, right? Where we're like, I don't want influencers coming, but I'm like, yeah, you know, like like it it's it's um, American cuisine, whatever you think that is, you know, has come a long way in the last twenty years. I mean, like. Really long. like people don't realize. I'm sure people realize, but like there was a time not too long ago where restaurants were only fine dining for the very, very rich, and that was it. It was that, and then chain restaurants and fast food, and then here and there, dotted was your mom and pop restaurants. But, but like my restaurants wouldn't have existed, your restaurants didn't. Jamie Bissonette's restaurants would have been that like really good food that you can get at an affordable, relatively affordable price did not exist, right? That's relatively new. It's a luxury, man. It's a luxury. And the reason it exists is because a lot of chefs work their ass off to, to make it affordable. And so the restaurant industry has come so far in like the last 20, 25 years. And guess what? In 25 years from now, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be diverse. It's going to have every cuisine under the spectrum being treated with respect, you know, being treated with, with, with a voice. It, it takes time. All these things take time, you know? Yeah. Well, think, it, about, it wasn't, yeah. think about the fact that sushi wasn't even something that most of the American populace would touch. Now it's almost on every block. Every minute. Right? Every minute. And you you just keep on, you, Korean food was not a big topic at all. That, that happened in the last eight years? Yeah. I'm like, it's exploded. And, it, and, you know, and you can go through the gamut. Like, I remember when Indian food was first introduced in a fine dining restaurant, and that was Floyd Cardo's at Tabla. Right? Remember that? I remember that day. It was eye-opening for a long time. And, you know, I, I'll say this right now. The next thing is going to be African food. And, okay. you know, like Nigeria, like, you know, I've been getting into, like, 
the food is so delicious. It's so amazing. And again, it's like it's familiar, right? There, there's some, but it's also like deeply unique. And then like those things will have it. Everything will have its day, and and, and it's great. Again, there was a time not too long ago when if you went to a, uh, if you wanted to celebrate and go to a nice restaurant, it was French food. That was it. That was it. That was your only choice. Even well, Italian yeah. food wasn't considered high end. Italian right? American food was like the it was like the VFW hall at that point. Yeah, you know. So so I mean, and I grew up in New York City, and, and as a teenager, I'm gonna date myself as what? You look up the top ten fine dining restaurants in New York City in in the eighties. It was every single one was French food. Lutas, you know. Lutas. Lutas. Grenouille. Yeah. You know. You know. Um, Jean George's old, it was all French food. It was all French food. Now, it's not. You know, and, and there's room for more and more and more. And, and it's great. It's great. It's wonderful what's happening, you know, and, and, and it will keep getting better. You know, so it's, it's, uh, I love it. I, I love what's happening, you know. It's, it's, it's a rough period, but I just, as long as we stay focused on the positive, I think things will. We'll, we'll weather the storm yeah yeah you know or else you and i will just both go to the caribbean and open up a you know, chicken shack i'm yeah i'll do a conch conch, conch salad conch fritters all day right you know i do i do a consulting deal in uh antigua and in antigua there's sea urchins all over the island but no one no one they're hard to harvest you know and, and no one eats it. None of the locals eat it. And, but the tourists come and they're like, oh my God, there's sea urchin? So I have this idea, like, I'm just going to buy a little shed. I'm going to die for sea urchin in the morning. Crack them open. 20 bucks a sea urchin. I carve it for you and scoop it out and feed you. 20 bucks a sea urchin. I will clean house. I'll clean house. I'll open four days a week. And that's my retirement plan. Not bad. I like yeah, that. Right. Fun. You can come. You can come join me and do conk, and we'll just kill it. Yeah, we'll do next. We'll be neighbors. <laughs> conk salad, <laughs> conk, conk salad, conk fritters next door. You get your sea urchin, and then we're good to go. <laughs> but it's one, a good, it's, a, it's a good retirement plan. It's a good oh, retirement. Plan. That's perfect. So, I've I've capitalized a lot of your time, and I really appreciate yeah. it. We're gonna do this little quick fire thing that okay. I because I know you know quick fire. You you were really good at them. So I'm just gonna say, you know me, like I'm the opposite of quick fire. Like I will, I will get slower. I know. <laughs> I'm like, huh? All right. So it's straight up, no, no okay. wrong answers. Okay. All right. Red or white wine? Uh, used to be red wine, but now it's white wine. Okay. And I would say the correct answer is brown wine, which is bourbon. Brown wine. <laughs> Hamburger, hot dog. Uh, hamburger. I hate hot dogs. I don't like. I'm not doing. Ketchup, mustard. It's close. It depends. Ketchup, but mustards. I have. It depends. Ketchup. French fry, onion ring. Uh oh, onion. Onion ring. I'm an onion ring guy too. Even though I love everybody loves French fries. Let's just. Yeah, let's yeah, not lie. Uh, sushi. Uh, excuse me. Nigiri or sashimi. <laughs> 
Uh, it depends. Those are undergarments for adults, dude. Depends. You got to pick one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say nigiri because I need the. I need. I gotta say nigiri because if I do sashimi, I end up paying six thousand dollars for a meal, and I'm not full. <laughs> At least, you know, the rice is like a foundation. <laughs> it's like, it, 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 it takes up some real yeah. estate. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the free bread. And, and it's, you know, it's the same thing. Like, you got to eat a bowl of rice or else I can't, I can't live without starch. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, man. Okay. Sea urchin or caviar? Oh, sea urchin. By far. By far. You want to hear a funny story? Yeah. So, so we've been, my daughter, I hope I'm not going to offend any PETA people, but like, you know, my daughter's an animal lover. So we're in Antigua and we're on the beach and literally you go out and I just grab some sea urchin off the beach. And, you know, like the spines move and it's really cool. And my daughter's like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. And I start hitting it with a rock. And she goes, dad, you're killing an animal. And I go, wait, first of all, sea urchin kills coral. It's one of the main killers of coral. So they're not good to begin with. And secondly, and I scoop it out and I go, take a taste. And she eats and she goes, Dad, can we go kill more sea urchin? <laughs> I love it. So now she's saving the coral. She's like, she's like a sea urchin serial killer. Like she's a sea urchin mass murderer. Like any and and now she thinks it's every beach. So like we'll be on like North Carolina. She's like, can we get some sea urchin? I'm like, there's no sea urchin. In North <laughs> You know, like we're we're in Coney Island. They're like, can we get sea urchin? Like, no, this is not. Even even if you could, you wouldn't want it. You wouldn't want to eat it. So it's it's, it's pretty hilarious. But yeah, I feel terrible because I've turned her into this like incredible carnivore. <laughs> like she was on the path to vegetarianism, and I just like I just stopped. It. You know, so, it, yeah. kids kids ebb and flow with their food choices. You know, That's the, yeah, like things. You know, like my son when he was little. He, we, we taught him that uh, McDonald's had poop in it. So whenever he would see this, oh, yeah. you know, so he didn't yeah. eat McDonald's for years. Now he's six. And that, that, that's probably not even a lie, to be honest. No, it's not a lie. I mean, there's a yeah. certain amount of, but you know, the funniest part, watch, I'm going to get a cease and desist. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My goal was to get you in trouble. I know, I know. It always is. I mean, we, we, we are definitely good at getting each other in trouble. But now, you know, he eats McDonald's and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a kid, he didn't, and you know, but he ate oysters for a while, then stopped. He eats sardines, he'll eat tuna heart. No, know. my daughter's the same way. She's on a, a French fry kick. Like, I just, it kills me. She'll eat French fries for this dinner. I'm like, it kills me. I'm just going to make a poutine, put all sorts of stuff all over it. That she's forcing. No, no, she won't. She won't. She won't do it. She just wants the fries. Her dinner is potato and salt and ketchup. Like, that's her dinner. It kills me. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I need right. parenting advice. Anyone. I need parenting. Make her do no thank you bites. That's what we do. That's what we did when Easton was little. We had to do a one no uh, thank you bite. So they'd have to take a bite of it. And he couldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, give me a descriptor of why you like it or why you don't like it. And it can't be the word yucky or gross. It has to be like too salty, too sour, blah, blah, blah. And it worked. He ended up finding a lot of shitty likes. Oh, and that's good. All right. I'll try it. I'll try it. No it works. I mean, just say one no thank you bite. And we'll let it go. And a lot of times he ended up liking it. And then sometimes, you know, it was the. <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling she's still just throw it in my face. 
you got to get somebody else to get involved because the more that you push it, it's. I know, I know, I know, I know. Chef Dad is making me. Eat I know, food. I know. Believe me, believe me. The Chef Dad, he's so weird. Um, all right, uh, pasta noodles. No, I'm Asian noodles. Dumplings, ravioli. Dumplings, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. What, 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 what? I can't, I can't even, I can't even know. Burrito falafel. Say again. Burrito falafel. Uh, burrito. burrito. A bulgogi burrito. Bulgogi burrito. I love it. <laughs> so, everybody, Ed, first off, thank you for taking time. Awesome. I love catching up with you. We need to do this more often. When are we going to cook together? I, you tell me. <laughs> I'm just trying, I'm just, I'm just treading water right now. Trust I'm, me. I'm, if anybody gets, I, I had to, I had to, I had to bartend for four days in a row when I opened the whiskey bar. Are you good at I, it? No, it was terrible. I had people come up to me and go, "Do you have a cocktail menu?" And and my response was, "Because but we are a whiskey bar." And I said, "I have whiskey, ice, and soda, and I will make you a drink with any combination of the three. And that's it." <laughs> what was the response? Some were fun. It's a, one lady complained to the manager. She said, your bartender is really rude. But he's also the owner. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't rude. You were honest. You were like, these I guys. was honest. Maybe I said in a slightly surly way. But yes, I, I was honest. I, I just, I don't know how to be caught. But we were so shorthanded. Like, I literally had to bartender. Four nights. So, we're slightly out of the woods, but there's still, like, you know, emergencies every day. It's everybody, everybody across the country right now. And I think there's a really good topic to end on for folks that are going out to restaurants. Please be kind to the staff. There is an extreme shortage of hospitality staff throughout the U.S. They are doing their best to make you be happy. Please come in and be kind to them because they're working their butts off and it's really hard. on really? Them. Their goal is to make you smile and be happy. So please take that into account. They're doing the best they can. Okay, it's really, really important. And for those of you folks who want to find out more about Ed uh, and the Lee Initiative, you can help out there. Ed, you want to give them that uh, website. And I'm also going to put a link at the end of this to the Lee Initiative and where to follow Ed on Instagram to see all his shenanigans. Yes, mention uh, Lee Initiative is www.leeinitiative.org. And folks, it's a really, really great organization. And if you have, have that time, please take a look make a donation you can watch watch all these young ladies you know thrive through the program and they definitely show where these where these young ladies are in the program so it really is an awesome awesome thing that Ed's doing here and, and the whole crew that thank you Chris thank you and Ed thank you I appreciate your time and no, not anytime anytime look forward to hanging out soon yes definitely man thank you and 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 uh you know just the final word like super value your friendship and, and all the conversations we had through COVID you know it's it's in these times you, you, you find who your friends are so really good really good to drink thanks it means a lot appreciate it you too take care you too